All right, welcome back to Miserable and Reckless, bringing you unfiltered opinions on sports, music, culture, and all things the South. I'm Logan, sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan. Be sure to go follow us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook. Smash the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Spotify. And while you're over there on Apple, make sure you give us five stars and a great review. Jumping into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Dustin, what you got? Yeah. Um, let's get started. Let's start with the ugly. Uh, <laughs> Emmy, <laughs> my daughter, uh, had a great birthday, great week on vacation, and then came back and got chicken pox. We got it. It was confirmed finally after a failed test and a whole bunch of mess I won't um, bore you with. Uh, it was finally confirmed today that she did indeed have chicken pox. So upside in, in sort of a silver lining, it's out of the way. We don't have to worry about it going forward. Downside is it's a shitty process. So um, that's definitely my ugly for the past like 10 days. Um, my funny instead of, I guess, a bad is I saw uh, a couple of the Duke football players were making a TikTok video and Coach Cut come walking in the background and uh, he in the practice facility, he found a snake. And he just picked it up because you know he's an old country boy anyway. He just picked it up and was brought it over there to him and was like and kind of with a like little grin on his face. And they were like scared to death. <laughs> Can't say another reason they hate Duke. <laughs> <laughs> and so he went over there messing with them. But it was just funny because he had a little grin and he was sitting here holding this snake up. And I, I hate snakes, but I was laughing at like just how much he was enjoying it. So even though he shouldn't be the head coach there anymore. I enjoyed that little moment. I appreciate the the laughter. Um, and then good. Uh, John Shire got his first recruit. He was uh, he signed a top twenty guy into the class for his first year. Um, it's good to go ahead and get that first one under the belt. Show a little bit of momentum because you know he's going to need it to to keep the train running over there in Durham. All right. So, uh, Morgan, good, the bad, and the ugly. All right. I'll just jump right on into the good. My little girl, Bridget, is pretty much crawling. Hey, cool. She's making moves nice. and <clears throat> coming up in the world and going to start walking around and screaming like her brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keeping it with my children, uh, on the flip side, my son, Brody, he is. Uh, Going through some uh, major uh, temper tantrums at nighttime when it's time for bed. He is refusing to want to do anything that is uh, relating to going to bed. So he's trying anything and everything to avoid doing that, including getting his pajamas on, which he used to love doing. So there's that. Me and him have that in common. And then ugly, I'm going to go with work. Um, it's just uh, chaotic at work right now. I'm hoping there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but not enough people and too much work. I'll leave it as simple as that. At least it's that problem, not the opposite. Exactly. Well, you know, job security, as they always say. <laughs> but uh, if I have to pick between sanity and job security, I don't, I, I don't know. 
I guess it's a toss up. <laughs> All right. So Ryan, good, the bad, and the ugly. Speaking of mental health and people's jobs, I'll dive right into my ugly. I'll take Dustin's approach. Uh, I've been off all this week because they, my company told me to burn my PTO. A whole another com- comment for a whole another time. There's been too much Simone Biles reaction. There's just, there's just been too much. Um, I'm a big proponent of people. I, I have uh, definitely had some issues uh, that I think are related to mental health, and I definitely think that people should take their mental health seriously. But can we please not all pile on and all have an opinion? I thought it was really interesting to hear Michael Phelps's comments. He basically said, like, the more you talk about it, the more she has to read about it, the more she has to hear about it, and you're not protecting her mental health that you care so much about. So, like, just everybody back off and realize that these are normal athletes making normal normal people, sorry, making normal decisions. And unfortunately, because I don't know what else to do with myself, I watch TV all day, and it seems like it comes up all day, every day. And I'm, that, that's that's my ugly of the week. Um, my bad of the week that's kind of tongue in cheek is that, uh, I saw that Lindsey Graham has, uh, won the war at Notre Dame. Uh, did you guys hear about this? No. They were, they were, uh, upset that they, they didn't want to have a Chick-fil-A opened at Notre Dame because they were upset about, uh, it being not being open on Sundays and their, their farming isn't, you know, appropriately, whatever environmentally, it's a whole thing. So Lindsey Graham basically said, I'm willing to go to war for this. And all of the, uh, all of the people took sides and like, it was just this whole thing. It I fit our ACC podcast. I thought it was hysterical. Is so um, Catholic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aren't they in church on Sunday? <laughs> I, I think I, depending on how good of a Catholic you are, I think you go to church every day. <laughs> so I'm no, Protestant. We don't do that. <laughs> that's a joke, but, uh, uh, you can, you can go to mass every day, but, um, uh, <laughs> Regardless, I thought that that was funny. So that was my tongue in cheek bad. And am I good? And I'll keep this very short because I want to tell people to Google it. Uh, I heard a story for the first time this week and I thought it was hysterical and it would be great for this podcast. It's a story about Mokhtar NDI. It was a long time ago when he played for Carolina. So hopefully that's, he's now a scout for the Knicks. He uh, apparently insulted Michael Jordan in the locker room during the Dean Smith days when Vince Carter and Anton Jameson were there. You can Google, just Google Mokhtar, M-A-K-H-T-A-R, and die. Jordan's story. It'll come right up. But if this came out recently from Mark Spears, uh, who's a journalist for The Athletic. But he basically said that Vince Carter, Antoine Jameson, Dean Smith, all these guys are in the locker room. And long story short is Michael Jordan walks in to tell, you know, I guess to be his eminence or whatever around the program. And so Mokhtar just straight-faced asked him, like, hi, who are you? And he goes, I, I'm, I'm Michael. And so he goes, oh, okay, well, I'm Mokhtar. And he goes, great, where, where are you from if you don't know me? And he goes, well, I'm, I'm from Senegal. And then he goes, oh, okay, well, I guess they don't have much basketball over there in Africa. And then he kind of let it mellow. And then as he was leaving, he shouted out, by the way, I think Hakeem Olajuwon is the greatest player in all of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> that is Michael, awesome. Michael Jordan got mad. He went and changed into practice scrubs or whatever, and came out and said, like, give me your worst players to Dean and just proceeded to try and dunk on Mokhtar for like two hours, right? <laughs> apparently, it smoked him. Then apparently they were in South Beach and completely unrelated. And Mokhtar and, and AJ, Antoine Jameson are down there. They're trying to get into a club and they can't get in because they're, they're not big enough celebrities. And so Michael Jordan happens to come out 
on the roof, just weird turn of life. And he's kind of looking over the railing and they're like, MJ, MJ, will you let us in? And he's like, now you know my name, Africa. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could say that MJ took that personally. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) As he did everything in life. I heard that story and I, 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 I'm not a huge fan of his, but I died laughing when I heard that. That's great. (laughs) That's it. Ugly, bad and good. All right, so time for me. I have a uh, a good... I actually have a traditional good, bad, and the ugly. It's been a while since I've had one of those. Um, my good is kind of a, a double whammy. Very quickly, tonight at midnight, uh, it'll be Friday, July 30th when it drops, but Perkin McCollum's uh, n- next record comes out this evening, so I'm looking forward to that. I've heard a handful of songs off the record. I've liked every, every one of them, so I'm excited for that. Um, the other good, tomorrow's, you know, it's the end of the month in my company, and then when you work with monthly marketing campaigns. If you don't have everything done by the last day of the month, you kind of messed up. So we don't have a whole lot to do tomorrow. So what we're doing is me and a couple of my buddies from work, my boss and another uh, buddy of ours at work, we're all going golfing tomorrow morning at 840 in the morning instead of going to work. So that should be a fun time. Um, So that's my good. My bad. Um, And both of these are Olympics related. The bad is the opening ceremony of the Olympics. They, I, I, I just get so incredibly infuriated and I don't know why I do, but I watched all of this crap on there and they, they, they play Imagine by John Lennon, which is objectively one of the most awful songs in the history of, uh, American music, even though he is British, I guess, technically. And they, then the announcer, you know, sits there and says, I didn't really expect that. This, this was amazing. Are you serious? Going back to 1996, almost every single Olympics, they've opened with John Lennon's awful song, Imagine. Imagine is, a, is nothing but a trash, poorly written song about hedonism and godlessness and communism. Like, it, it's an awful song, and the fact that it's put on this pedestal is an, is an affront to humanity. So, yeah, opening ceremony and the song in particular, bad. The Ugly... It's just, I'm tired of seeing everything about the Olympics. I couldn't give a damn about the Olympics. I've never given a damn about the Olympics. Like, outside of a little, maybe the, the golf aspect and normally USA basketball, but they're trash this year, too. So, like, I don't really care. I'm ready for it to be over because I'm ready for uh, my my timeline on uh, on my Twitter feed and the people at work to stop talking about the Olympics. So, that's my ugly. It's just the entire Olympic season. I'm actually surprised that none of us said Team USA was our bad or our ugly. (laughs) They just were so bad, we just didn't even mention it. That's how bad they are. They're worse than the (laughs) 2004 bronze team that UNC grad Larry Brown coached. (laughs) Hey, 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 look. All I'm going to say is I'm not going to say they're bad. I'm going to say they're irrelevant, which is even worse. Yeah, that's true. With the fact that they barely came up makes it even worse because we didn't even get like upset enough to bring it up on a podcast called Miserable and Reckless. Yep. <laughs> All right. So moving into the weekend, look ahead. Ryan, take it away. Logan, you're not going to like this very much because we don't have any NASCAR this week. So now we have an Olympics update. Oh, wonderful. So, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I went to a lot of effort today by looking at one whole article that allowed me to use drop down boxes to find out all this information, but a lot of effort. And uh, I found out all the Southern states, how many Olympians they have and how many gold medals they've already kicked ass and won for America. Alabama, I'm going to run through these real quick. Alabama, nine. Arkansas, one. D.C., I don't know if we count D.C., but they have Kevin Durant, so why not? Three. Delaware, two. Florida, big one, 55. They got a lot of swimmers. Uh, They've won some gold medals for us. 
Um, Caleb Dressel, the man bear pig or whatever the hell he's got on his arm is, is making things work. Uh, Caleb Dressel is an awesome dude, by the way. Um, just, it, just in life, uh, Georgia 20, uh, Kentucky six, Louisiana six, Maryland, four swimmers from Bethesda have contributed for two silvers and two golds. There's only 11 people on the damn team. So, uh, I just like to say the little, the little mighty state there. Uh, I thought this was about Southern states. Missouri. Are we counting Missouri? <laughs> Missouri, all of Missouri. As we pointed out on this podcast, St. Louis sucks. You have one Olympian. Thanks for contributing, Missouri. Ole Miss, or Mississippi, as people would know it, for North Carolina. I thought it, this was a cool fact. Nolan Ryan's son is on the Olympic team. He did play at Carolina, um, but uh, his name's Ryder Ryan. Um, and they won a silver medal last night. North Carolina got a silver in the USA. Got a silver medal last night in diving. Oklahoma, do we count them now as the South? I don't know. Is this, do we have thoughts on this? I like we, Oklahoma. I just don't know if they're traditionally the South. I who knows anymore? I, I think to the we SEC. did an episode on that, but I, <laughs> I voted no. South Carolina, seven. Notice I didn't tell you about Oklahoma. Uh, <laughs> Tennessee, they have some player named Tennis. I'll give you three guesses what sport she plays. Uh, tennis. The answer, the answer is tennis. <laughs> um, field, field hockey? <laughs> I already know the answer, Morgan. <laughs> Virginia has 13, and are we including Texas? No, Texas, Texas will, wants to be their own yeah. nation. They'll be pissed off if we call them a Southern State. But well, yeah, you know, they want to join the Southeastern Conference, but more on that later. Well, if we're not including them, then that's fine. So medal standings, I think everybody in America probably knows this. So we went with the Southern medal standings. That's more important. This is a Southern podcast after all, all things the South. Uh, Southern medals, we have eight of the 14 gold so far, 13 of the 14 silvers, three of the 10 bronzes, and we have 24 of 38 total medals or 63% of the medals from 15 states. So suck it, Big Ten. Uh, anyways do you want me to run through the minor league little league baseball standings that nobody except no no, nobody except for the four of us cares about (laughs) exactly go on and give us the update down on the far durham bulls 50 and 24 first sounds second stripers barely above 500 now again they keep flirting with it Flirting with just the tip of the uh, being over the iceberg there, 38 and 36. And then the Norfolk Tides bringing up the rear in six now, 28 and 44. Uh, basically, nothing's happened since we started doing this. This was probably a bad segment, but that's okay because when the playoffs come around, that's when we're really going to, that's when we're really going to start hitting you guys with this. And it's going to be super awesome. That's, that's when it's going to be Bruce's time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads us once again to our Southern Spotlight. And this week, it's I always have to look this up every week, but this week it's you, Logan. What do you got? Yeah, so uh, I, everyone knows at this point by the, what is this, episode number 46 of Miserable and Reckless, that we are quite the fans of barbecue. So once again, I am revisiting a North Carolina barbecue restaurant and uh, highlighting, I think it's a pretty cool story behind it. It's a place that the first time I ate there, they have a location right outside of Greenville, North Carolina called Sam Jones Barbecue. 
Um, they have a, the restaurant is, is on one side and then they have a smokehouse on the other where they smoke all the meats that they, um, like right there and, and a whole, they give you a tour of it if you ask nicely. Cause I've gotten a tour of it one time. It was really cool. You get to see like the dead pigs being hung up in the freezer and it's actually kind of a cool experience if you, uh, are into that kind of thing. But, uh, so the first one I ever ate at was like right outside of Greenville, but about four to five months ago, I want to say they just built a location in downtown Raleigh. So I took my, some of my coworkers there and was like, you guys have to try this. It's fantastic. So we went in there. Everybody absolutely loved it. Like they've got Eastern North Carolina style barbecue. That's fantastic. The smoked Turkey is really, really good. It's not dry. Like most people's turkeys. It's like, it actually has flavor to it. So that's good. Like the short rib is good. The fried chicken's good. Like you can't go wrong with much there except for one thing they sell. And that's their, uh, their cornbread. It's awful. Do not. It's prison food. It weighs like a pound. You don't want it. But everything else is fantastic. But the cool thing about Sam Jones Barbecue, so the the current guy that kind of owns these two locations, obviously his name is Sam Jones, right? But the the founder of this kind of like barbecue endeavor with the Jones family, his name was Pete Jones. He found like it was founded back in um, when he was 17 years old. And the the original location is still in business and it's called the Skylight Inn. The Skylight Inn is a very, very well-known barbecue establishment that has, you know, been... uh, published in like National Geographic. And then in 1982, one thing that I really found cool was um, he was invited to serve his barbecue at a congressional bowl and President Reagan and Vice President uh, H.W. Bush uh, absolutely loved it and sent him a letter talking about how much they really enjoyed his barbecue. So he started getting more and more like um, attention for this, being published in different magazines. People Magazine, GQ have done like little write-ups about the Skylight Inn in Aiden, North Carolina. As time went on and as uh, it got passed down to his father, Bruce, and then to the current guy that has his own two iterations, uh, Sam, Sam kind of branched out on his own with the same, you know, recipes and everything and, and created Sam Jones Barbecue, where I, I do, I don't know how many locations they have. I couldn't find that, but I do know they have two to speak of. But the Skylight in Aiden is still operational, still serving everyone. Then you've got Sam Jones uh, Barbecue and both um, Greenville, North Carolina and Raleigh, but it's definitely a highly recommended uh, location if you're in North Carolina and you're especially it's some of the best Eastern NC chopped barbecue that I that I miss barbecue that I've I've ever had. Um, so I I can't recommend this place highly enough. Just go in there expecting to spend about twenty four bucks though because it's one of those things where you pick two or three meats and you get two sides. But trust me, it's worth it. Sam Jones Barbecue this week Southern Spotlight. Did you know Tony Bourdain went to Skylight Inn? Oh really? Uh, parts unknown. Yeah, I didn't know that's cool. Yeah, that's where I learned about it. Yeah. That's where I learned about it from. Well, next time uh you guys come down here for a road trip to Raleigh, we're all gonna have to try that place out if if y'all want. It's right off of Lenore Street. It's oh, actually definitely. it's walkable to Lincoln Theater. So it's a it's a possible dinner spot uh before the before the concert. And they have a full bar, so there you go. All right. Me and, so. my, me and my meat hating wife will be there. <laughs> well, you can probably get some collards with some ham in it. I was going to say the ham out. I recommend the collard greens and the mac and cheese. Both good. <laughs> Does have Sorry. ham in the collard. So <laughs> Sorry. I'm, 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 I get a bowl of make, lettuce or something. <laughs> we can move on. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So we actually do have kind of a bonus Southern spotlight to uh, go in addition to the Sam Jones um, highlight that I just had. So one, one artist that, three of the four of us are very big fans of that we've <laughs> talked about quite a bit is uh, the chief himself, Eric church and his breakout record. Um, 
aptly titled Chief, came out about 10 years ago, uh, just the other day. And I, we kind of wanted to very quickly talk about what our favorite song on the record. Um, I got to say that uh, I'm going to throw it to you guys first, but I absolutely love this record um, because I will say this was, it came out my senior year in high school. So naturally, because of the time that it came out and I, uh, you know, listening to it at the, the age that I did when I was driving in my truck was <clears throat> something that has kind of a nostalgic pull on me, but objectively it's a very good record. So open it up to you guys. Um, Ryan, if you want to start, what's, what is a song on this record that uh, you would say is the standout track? I've grown up with this record over the past 10 years. So I used to definitely be Springsteen. Um, you could definitely find me in college. Uh, I used to live with Morgan. You could definitely find us uh, watching a episode or sorry, a music video of Eric Church's Springsteen with the American flag scarf. And he's playing in the, with the band in the garage. And uh, by the way, this weekend um, is the last July Saturday night for any of you out there that know the lyrics. So if you want to play your Springsteen, uh, you can do it this weekend. But uh, as you get older, things change. Uh, like, Jesus does is probably the more appropriate answer at this point in time. <laughs> um, and the reason why I say that is because, um, and I can, I can hear literally on the other side of the door, but uh, it's, it's a good thing to have uh, a, a, a wife that takes care of you and loves you. Even when you're, uh, I believe the lyric is ain't, ain't the man you're supposed to be, or ain't the man you can't be or something like that. So uh, um, somewhere in the middle of that though, is definitely, and I'm naming tracks off the album, uh, either the song Jack, Jack Daniels, because every man has his kryptonite. <laughs> JD kicked my ass last night. Or there's uh, uh, the other song that uh, hopefully will be for me in the future would be Homeboy, because I would love to uh, eventually move away from Annapolis and get back down to where I feel a little bit more at home, which would be North Carolina. So it's funny to kind of like try and pick one, but um. For right now, it's definitely like Jesus does. And for those people that haven't listened to this album or haven't listened to those lyrics, please, please, please go look at that or figure that out. Yeah, I uh, like that song a lot, too. Ironically, that's the only song on the album that Eric Church didn't write. Of course. Great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> was it was it Mac McAnally? Because I seem to be stumbling into his stuff, too. No, it's a uh, frequent Eric Church collaborator, uh, Casey Bethard. Oh yeah, oh. 2010 Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, his dad, Casey okay. Tucker's dad. Yeah, so yeah, K- Casey has been a co-writer on a lot of Eric's songs. A little cool side story about that: his granddad was the GM of the Redskins back in the early '80s. Really, really, yeah. His brother, Bobby Bobby Bethard. His brother was the backup quarterback for the Jimmy Garoppolo on the Niners yeah. for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their, granddad, their granddad was the uh, GM for the Redskins. That family's all mixed up in football yeah. and, and music. That family's in, in everything. Jeez. Really, though. <laughs> all right, Dustin, what's uh, one of your favorite tracks off the Chief album from 2011? Um, if you can't tell that Angle and I have known each other a long time and sort of on a similar life path, I, I have a similar answer in that uh, different songs, different phases of life. Um, back in our social sports days here in the city, when you would play uh, out next to the Washington Monument, we would play kickball, and then we'd go uh, to the bars afterwards. Uh, Drink in My Hand was one of the songs that we had on our playlist back then. So 
that song resonates not as much anymore, but I, I definitely play it and think about those days when I hear it. Um, I'd also say Springsteen stands out just because, you know, you kind of, you associate it with it because you spend a lot of time with your buddies and it basically it's just explaining that experience and what that's like taking trips, going places, or even just hanging out, you know, at Pine Haven or something like that. Um, but for, you know, I, re- I re-listened to the record this week thinking about it and I actually thought like Jesus does as well is where I'm at today, like in my life. Um, it's certainly, uh, accurate for, uh, having a couple of ladies in my life now between, uh, my wife and my daughter putting <laughs> up with me and allowing me to do the things that I do say, so, and I appreciate it. And it's a good reminder of it. So today, 2021, Dustin, it's like Jesus does, but over the years, there's a smattering of it. And I imagine in the years to come, there might be some other ones that stand out. Also, I have a bonus to the end of this when we're done about the album cover. Yeah, I will say when it when it comes to like Jesus does, though, it has one of the best opening lines of a country song, though, saying I'm a long gone Waylon song on vinyl. The imagery in that, uh, I think, is a fantastic opening, especially when you get to what the that what the actual song is about. But oh, yeah, definitely. Miranda, Miranda name check that with her um, vice song. Mm. She's gone out on record and said that. Sorry, that's a little aside. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another artist that we're a fan of here and is miserable and reckless yeah. endorsed. Sadly, she lost her puppy today. Yeah. Oh, that is sad. What? Yeah, she had, she, you know, she's a big, I know we're getting real far afield, but this is what we do. <laughs> um, she, she's a big uh, rescue, yeah. uh, like pet rescue. You know, she has so many animals. She has a farm of animals, basically, but she loves dogs. And she, 13 years ago, about, 13, 13 and a half years ago, she picked up a couple puppies on the side of the road in Oklahoma. One of them passed away a few months ago, and the second one uh, passed. They had to be put down today, I believe. Oh, so, man. It's a, it's a sad time when you, uh, it, any of us who've had dogs understand that. Well, Morgan, I know that uh, before I offer up my selection, I know you're not as big of an Eric Church guy as we are, but I, I, I don't want to leave you out on this segment. So I'm going to throw it over to you in case you have any comments. My comment's going to be, it's not so much I'm not a fan. I just never really listened to the album before. Fair enough. Like at, at all. So I know if I've heard it before, um, it's not to say I wouldn't like it. Wouldn't, I'm not hating it. I just, I know I said that earlier in the text that I'm, I'm not a fan. I was really quite honestly busy at work and not in the best of moods. <laughs> and just not trying to have a conversation about it, I guess. But um <laughs> I'll, I'll well, your grant of rights uh, has it. Your notice on your grant of rights ends in October or August. So you know and that rights of what? And rights of what? For for miserable and reckless, your grant of rights because all, of that comment is, we, is over. We all have to negotiate okay, well, a new deal uh, like in college football. <laughs> get, we'll get somebody else to do it, and I'll turn in my card. <laughs> I'm more of things I can do. Morgan, you've you've heard Springsteen for sure, definitely. Uh, but you may only recognize it past two a.m. with cookout in your hand and Nelson sitting next to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess I'm sure that you least... guys can find somebody better. No, 
Morgan, it wouldn't be miserable and reckless without without you on here. <laughs> Nobody else can cancel things like you do. And there's a lot of things that need to be canceled, folks. All right, so I guess that leaves me. Uh, since in the spirit of country and cold cans. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hung over and hard up. That's the song you're thinking. <laughs> no, actually, like, it, my honorable mention um, is because of college, and in particular, one night, me and my buddy CJ, who I get, thankfully I'm, he's we get to see him down in Tampa here this up not this weekend but the weekend after, but uh, we ran the beer pong table one time, fourteen straight games, and he had one country song on his phone and it was "Creeping" by Eric Church, so he put it on his <laughs> phone and put it on repeat, and we wouldn't change it until we lost. So fourteen straight games, it was nothing but "Creeping." People were yelling at us, not wanting us to play, and we were like, "Shut up, we're on a winning streak." So "Creeping" holds a special place in my heart. Never walk away when you're evening. on the heater. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so I'm glad, I'm glad you brought this up, and I di- I know you guys didn't expect this, but very quickly, my dog had pointy ears when he would look out the window, and he always looked like he was quote creeping. So anytime you would take a photo of him when you were like leaving the house, he was always creeping, and that was always an inside joke. And now he's moved on oh, a a little while ago at this point, but it ties in the Miranda, it ties in your creeping. That's that's funny as hell. I love that. <laughs> So my current pick, though, got to say, is uh, the album closer over when it's over. I think that that is just an absolute, like, perfectly written song. Um, you know, it, it. I like how he saved, in my opinion, my subjective opinion here, best for last. But over when it's over, it's just like looking back on uh, a relationship that didn't work out, as a lot of great country songs do. But it's like, even in the chorus, like he's saying, like, it's over when it's over, ain't it, baby, ain't it, baby, ain't it, rips you like a dagger, can't it, baby, can't it, which are very, very true lines. But in particular, in the verse where it goes, and dreams are like a knife when you're hanging by a thread, and ain't and no, maybe we can make it if we just play the right cards, but it's over when it's over. It's like I said, just, it's got a catchy melody, a great hook, and it's well-written. Um, that is one that if you listen to the album, album in sequential order, as it's supposed to be listened to, it's the perfect way to end the chief record. So over when it's over is my selection. Makes sense. So quickly on the album cover, the, I saw today that the album cover was shot by his manager with a, like a new camera lens that he had. And it was originally intended to be something related to like for Bush light. And uh, then they, it ended up not being used for that. And they were like, this, this is perfect for this album cover. And then uh, obviously Nashville was not um, friendly to that at first. They had to fight for it to get it as the album cover. But, you know, it's pretty iconic. When I, when I think of album covers at Eric Church, I think of this one. And I think of uh, the one where he's kind of like shaggy looking on that oh, very yeah. first album. That was, the, was that? Centers like me, or was that Carolina? Oh, Carolina, I think, right? Carolina might have been Carolina, yeah. yeah. But no, like, so. this is a fantastic record. This is one of the only I have two of them, but this is the first one of Eric Church that I have on vinyl. And the vinyl is sick because it's like this red, cherry red vinyl, uh, special edition that I bought. But you're right, Dustin, that album cover, especially when you have like the, the vinyl version of it, it's like one of those iconic record album covers that you can just hang on a wall and it couldn't be more badass. Yeah, it's it's Eric Church. Like it anybody really who follows him, you look at it and you just feel it. Yep. All right, so moving into the newest, everyone's newest favorite segment on Miserable and Reckless, Florida or the field. 
All right, you guys need to help me with this one because I don't understand what all this means. Headline, man sought by, and if some of you know the answer, don't scream it out, although that might make the segment, uh, segment quicker. Man sought by police for stealing WWE title belt and Seamus's necklace. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> Who is Seamus? He's a is- big, pale Irish redhead who if you were to walk up with him in public you couldn't be paid enough to fight him a man is being sought by police after stealing equipment from the world they spelled it out because this is real journalism from the world wrestling entertainment and (laughs) WWE star Seamus according to police on May 22nd 2021 between 12 10 a.m. and 158 a.m. an unknown suspect entered the Yingling Center by unknown means, that should I left that in there on purpose. The Yingling Center, it's in Pennsylvania, perhaps. <laughs> Once inside the closed building, the suspect selected several items belonging to the WWE superstar, which included three title belts signed by various WWE stars, a prop cross necklace. Does that just literally mean that it was a big cross? Yeah. Okay. He has he has a Celtic cross that he wears out to the ring. Okay. So apparently that's very famous, this prop cross necklace. And a corner pad. I assume that's what they get thrown into when they're when they're, you know, faking like they their ribs hurt and stuff like that. Yeah, on the turnbuckle. The turnbuckle. All right. I knew I I knew you'd have all the answers. <laughs> the suspect was captured on surveillance video and is described as a Hispanic male, 25 to 30 years old, with brown hair, a mustache, a light goatee, a light goatee. Light. Okay. He was last seen wearing a red shirt, blue jeans, and black sneakers. Incidentally, Crime Stoppers is offering a reward of up to five thousand dollars for information. That leads to the identification and arrest of this unknown suspect involved in this case. Where do you think this happened? So definitely Florida. I, I, I know for a fact that this is going to be Florida because the only one of the only free states in the country during COVID has been Florida, and that's where WWE has done all their events. <laughs> yep. But I don't care. I'm going with the field. I'm loyal, and I'm sticking with the field. <laughs> That's the way you got to be, Dustin. You got to stay loyal. Yeah, that's why I'm a Redskins fan. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Wait, Logan, a who fan? Logan, is this a, is red, this a crime? Skins. Sorry, Morgan. <laughs> What'd you say? No, Sam is correcting that, Logan. It's Redskins. <laughs> yeah. It's not Hill to the football team. <laughs> so, so, what was guys, your question, is this, Ryan? Is this, is this a crime or is this a WWE storyline? I'm confused. Like maybe, maybe the newspaper got the reason. The reason I think this is a dumb reason, but I think it's accurate why this is definitely a crime and it's not a, as in the, it's, it's a work, not a shoot, as they say in the business. A work means it's part of the storyline. A shoot means it's real. So this is a work because a, the journalist apparently didn't do enough research, even though they pride themselves on doing their research, which is, we all know is bullshit. And because they haven't been called world wrestling entertainment officially in years. They actually, the name of the company now is WWE. It doesn't, it's not an acronym anymore. So because of that, this is definitely a shoot, definitely a crime. And because of the situation in COVID, um, the WWE has a big presence in Florida with their training center down there. Definitely Florida. Yeah, it's definitely Florida. It's Tampa. It's Florida. Yeah. I'll be down there in, uh, in a week and a half. So 
I'm miserable. Reckless is on it with an investigation. Wait a second. Does anybody know what Birch was, was up to that night? <laughs> I mean, wait, Birch, couldn't, like, Birch couldn't it, grow a light goatee. No, yeah, I was about to say, well, he can't be mistaken well, for that description. I'm just saying it's a light goatee, meaning no, almost no facial hair. He can't grow any, so therefore it's light on his face. Um, it's, the yingling, it's, it's the yingling center. He's a yingling fan. True. Um, I'm just Eagles. trying to put pieces together here. You know? Just asking questions here. <laughs> All crime stoppers. You get $5,000 coming your way. Oh, man. Look for a short guy climbing trees. <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell you this. When I'm in Tampa, if I see a uh, guy in a red shirt and blue jeans with a light goatee walking around with a Celtic cross and a WWE title belt. I, if I see something, I'm going to say something. <laughs> you would just, just be, Jerry just be, yeah, just be Johnny on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. That's it. That's Florida or the field. Yeah. Another week, another Florida man. All right. Throwing it over to Dustin for the anchor topic. One of the biggest stories that have come open in the sports world. So Dustin, take it away. Yeah, we, we touched on it last week. We spent well, we spent a little time a lot of time on it at the end of last week's podcast, but at the time it was rumors and it's no longer rumors as of tonight. Um well backed up a little bit. As of earlier this week, Texas and Oklahoma uh let the Big Twelve know that they would no longer be uh, continuing in the conference once their grant of rights was up in 2025, which we, uh, that's, that America is the joke I was giving uh, Morgan here. And then, um, then today it became official, the SEC membership, um, (laughs) the SEC membership um, unanimously voted in favor of accepting them to the conference. So they will be joining the SEC. The SEC will be growing from 14 members to 16, and they'll be adding Texas and Oklahoma to pray. Um, you know, that happened very, very quick. Um, allegedly, these talks have been going on for six-plus months in secret uh, with Texas and Oklahoma, um, you know, which makes you wonder about other rumors that are out there, um, such as, this week, you know, there's been talk of the SEC going after Ohio State and Michigan and Clemson and Florida State, and with a goal of trying to get a 20-team super conference going. Um, but there's actually been, you know, even more rumors that their goal, actual goal, is much larger than that. They'd like to be somewhere in the like 32 to 60-team conference range, basically be separated from the NCAA and sort of be a feeder league for the NFL. Um, so, you know, bottom line here, as we're looking at all this, one thing that we do know is this, it's, it's all about the money. It's not about the student athletes. The SEC is on a quest for dominance um, to, you know, own college football, which is to own the revenue uh, across college sports. Um, so, I mean, and in that vein, <clears throat> you know, I did a little bit of looking around this week, you know, the big, or the SEC, um, they're already the largest by revenue for football. They're already the largest, and they're at something like one point, almost one point nine billion dollars collectively as a conference. What year. is that? What does that mean? 
when you when you say that what does that mean what do you mean like because i know i know we sent over like multiple charts and stuff so i'm trying to make sure that people understand is, like, is this total revenue from the total? like so total revenue which means what the school generates and also with their media contracts everything all together correct yeah yeah so okay. total revenue cool. so here's the, the data comes from the department of uh, education who requires all uh, schools who participate in athletics to report to them uh, a, a whole crazy amount of data. It's on things such as like coaching, uh, how much money was spent on recruiting, how much money was spent on football revenue, basketball revenue, et cetera. You know, coaches' salaries, all of that. Um, the league, the member institutions of the SEC uh, totaled almost $1.9 billion. Football itself generated over a billion of that. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma um, last year were sitting at about 159 million and 191 million each. So you're you're talking about adding you know 375 extra million to it. Plus they're going to be able to negotiate for for more in their media contracts because of the new markets and the new teams. Um, you know I'm not really I I think you know some at some point on digital you know the social media pages will get. We'll put some of this information out there. I don't want to read you all the revenue, but just for comparison, the ACC sits at about one and a half billion uh, in total sports revenue and about six hundred and thirty-seven million in football revenue. So it's a massive gap. Um, so I just kind of wanted to, first of all, just kick it around and get everyone's take on initial reaction of how quickly this happened and how quickly and how no one knew this was happening behind the scenes for months. And then we can kind of talk about what it means for college sports and and maybe dive into the ACC a little bit. Logan, you want to offer some thoughts? Yeah, for sure. So when it comes to this whole situation, I don't, I actually don't think this was meant to be public to uh, be publicized when it was, I think this got leaked by somebody. Um, I, because unless Texas and Oklahoma are willing to pay that massive buyout for the, the grant of rights they have with the big 12, that runs through 2025 because today is being reported that they're not going to join the SEC until 2025. So basically, conceivably, we're going to have Oklahoma being awarded the Big 12 championship for the next, what, four years um, as a lame duck champion in some way. But I, I really think that this is being driven by ESPN more than anyone. I think this is a media race more so than it is a, uh, a a conference race. I think the conferences see the writing on the wall that it's about revenue. It's about trying to like consolidate power. I think this is ultimately going to be them trying to get rid of the NCAA, but that's a another topic on that. But I, I really do think this is being driven by ESPN. And the reason I say that is because ESPN, essentially, when it comes to the media rights, uh, they have the ACC network, they have the vastly superior SEC network, so they completely own those two conferences, for better or worse. And the Big Ten and the, uh, the Big 12 have a deal with Fox. They went after the Big 12, right? Texas is a cash cow. Oklahoma is a national football brand who's consistently the also-ran fourth spot in the playoffs. This was a move that you pull the two big guys out of the big 12 you're left with you know crumbs essentially in the grand scheme of things this destroys the big 12 it's gonna uh, ultimately have to dissolve there's no way it moves on and remains a power conference so this gets rid of one of the 
competing Power Five conferences that has a Fox Media deal. So now you have the SEC even stronger. They're going to be in a position of power to negotiate with ESPN. So I really do think this has ESPN and by default ABC Disney's fingerprints all over it because it's just a situation where it's them trying to consolidate uh, college football because college football is second most popular sport in America behind the NFL. And it makes a lot of money. I mean, the, the, the charts are there, right? Look how much revenue these schools are generating. So ESPN has the uh, CFP up until I think 2024, then they have to renegotiate. But if they can control the, the biggest conference by far, they can maintain the other conference and it, it, it the ACC doesn't get poached. And then cut out one major conference that the Big Twelve actually uh, has a deal with a separate media company. Then you know they're they're in control. They have the CFP. So I think, like I said, in summary, on just the immediate reaction, the bad for college football, driven by ESPN. Yeah, um, that's. I mean, the Big Twelve is leveling those accusations now too, and ESPN is. Uh, I've been getting push alerts from ESPN saying it's not true, but. Of course, they're going to say that. Morgan, what are your initial thoughts off of all of this? Well, aside from the Big 12 not knowing how to count, like as you reminded me, um, <laughs> <laughs> the Big 12 is done. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're done. But, you know, I think we've discussed this as well. I've seen it in you know, news as rumors as what the other teams are going to do, obviously. The two of them are heading to the SEC. West Virginia is probably either going to join the ACC or the Big Ten. The rest of them will just disperse to whatever conferences uh, want to pick them up. Um, I agree with Logan. It probably when it was when they hit the news, I guarantee you as well. Which probably not the right time that they want that to happen. And there was definitely a leak. Right, so I agree with you on that. Um, I mean, who's to say eventually the end game is, is almost maybe no conference. It's just one massive thing called college football. Yeah. That's that's actually being discussed as well. They're, they're talking yeah. about something in the neighborhood of maybe a 60-league team yeah. or a 60-team league. I mean, essentially, at the end of the day, you just want your team to win the national championship. You know? Yeah. Well, unless you're in the SEC these these days, it's not much of a chance unless you're named Clemson or Ohio State. Uh, Angle? Just, um, no. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. I thought you. No, I was just, it's, um, quite frankly, I, mean, I, I, I guess my other initial reactions, I don't know if I just doesn't really care. I mean, it's, if they're <laughs> going to do it, do it. <laughs> I'm not trying to be, you know, like I don't, I mean, I love college football. I, I love college football more than I do the NFL. I, just, I look forward to Saturdays and watching multiple games at one time on four TVs with a bunch of friends. Um, but I could care less what teams move to which conference, as long as the uh, the product on TV is still there. You know, as yeah. long as you're playing the game and the rivalries are still there, and the championship game, the bowl games are happening at the end of the year. Yeah. I yeah I mean I hear you I I think there's there's something though to be said about um, college football is losing more and more parity and they're also it losing is. some viewers because of that the college football playoff has been falling off in viewership because yeah, you when you have the same eight seven eight teams 
And realistically, yeah. only like four or five teams that play for a national championship gets kind of old. No, I agree with you on that. That's I'm getting tired of the same four or five teams, you know, heading to the playoffs. Yeah, it's almost like the, go ahead. I was just saying, I was, I was just agreeing with, with yeah. uh, Dustin on that part too. It it's almost like the NBA, right? Like the NBA's uh, NBA Finals ratings were up this year when it was the Bucks and the Suns, but mm-hmm. that's a lot of that. Like, take the socio political influence it has for some of the stuff going on out of it, just strictly from a basketball perspective. The ratings were down over the last few years, and I think part of that had to be about you know it's the same as college football. You had LeBron and Steph Curry playing for like four straight years. LeBron up until three years ago had not missed a NBA final since I was 15 years old. Like eventually people get tired of seeing the same people over and over. Yeah. So it's the same thing. With well, we pretty much have the same birthday. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so just for, for reference, Ryan was like 25. <laughs> Do you want me to Go jump ahead, in? Do you want yeah. me to jump in? All right. I'm I'm mixed and I don't, I don't know how much I care. Um, I joked with you guys that I want to get to Hardy's basketball from like back in the day with like the nine ACC teams or yeah, one of those ridiculous, stitch, one of those ridiculous stitch belts that you <laughs> see at every ACC tailgate, which is pretty much how you know that somebody's wearing short shorts that their daddy paid for. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> was that, was that enough? Did I piss off enough people? Um, I, uh, Logan, I'm about to piss you off next. I think it would be interesting if we had a 60-team league that was tiered. Understand the way I'm saying this. The last five to ten teams in get relegated to like Division B or whatever. And so that becomes interesting. So a team like, calling you out, but a team like Duke or Pittsburgh could play for the chance to be in be a bottom feeder potentially for the next year, but they could still recruit at the division one level. And uh, the reason why I'm saying it might piss you off is because this is what they do in uh, premier leagues. Yeah. Soccer. European soccer. It, it makes it interesting. It makes it interesting when two crappy teams play though. That's, that's my only comment. My other comment, quite frankly, is the ACC uh, and the PAC 12 should join together and they should just become the act 12, which I think is a wonderful yeah. name. <laughs> and uh, now we can have all of the flashiest uniforms that Logan hates in America all on display. We can have Stanford, the the Olympic champions who do nothing on the football field, but they do apparently they win the championship every year. Have you guys seen this? They they win the all around championship for like all their sporting events every year. Um, the Directors Cup, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, it's it's it, they're they're up there every year. It's like some, somehow they're still claiming Colin Malaka, uh, Morikawa. It's like the guy graduated like four years ago, guys. But um, the interesting thing from what you sent to me this week, Dustin specifically, was I was very surprised, and I know I've been s- more of an apologist of Nashville on the show. I was very surprised at the amount of, and maybe this leads into the ACC um, amount of money that you, the university of Louisville, um, generates, they are light years in terms of the way we're talking about this. And I know you guys can't see these charts, 
ahead of Clemson, Miami, UNC, UVA. I I was um, I know that's total sports, but who I I guess everybody that's I, buying horses. I know is, I I can tell you a big reason why that is. Um, you why know. Is that? One of it, I can't remember the name of their football stadium, but it's the same with their football stadium as is with the basketball arena. Papa John's. Yes, the KFC Papa John's Yum. football stadium and the KFC. Um, those corporate sponsors are actually big money for Louisville. So okay. they have they have the media deal. They probably have a big um, donor base as it is. They they have a decent sized stadium that they you know do pretty well with attendance and concessions and everything. But they also have those corporate sponsors. Whereas like you have Keenan, you have Wallace Wade, you have. Um, Carter Finley and Morgan, forgive me, Lane Stadium. Like, we don't have corporate sponsors, right? So, yeah. like, that makes a big difference when it comes to revenue. And, you know, to background for folks, revenue by and large is generated through ticket sales, merchandising rights, um, donor money, and then media rights. Like, th- that's pretty much where the bulk of the cash comes from. Some schools get some student fees, some, uh, you know, some there's there's some other revenues that flow in there, but the, the, that's the big four areas where the revenue flows in. And in the ACC, I, yeah, I, I think the big takeaway when I was looking at the data for the conference, the conference that we follow and talk about most on this podcast mm-hmm. is Louisville is uh, is one of the is so the top few in the conference is Florida State earns the most revenue sports wise. Then it's Louisville, then it's Clemson, then it's Miami, then it's Duke. Then it's Carolina, Virginia, Pitt, Virginia Tech, NC State, and then the rest of the conference that we often try to cancel. And so, um, and I was like, I was kind of shocked at uh, their place and all that. I I thought for sure with Clemson winning national titles and stuff, they'd be sitting at the top. Um, and and if you look detailed into the data, their fundraising is going through the roof, and their numbers are way up. But, um. It's just interesting, uh, Louisville, but Louisville also has going for it. They earn a lot of money in football, and they're a top tier basketball program. They yep. get a lot of money that way. So when you have both going for you, you're going to yeah. be up there. That just Clemson's one more thing on, only. yeah, right. So just one more thing on all of that. Um, I looked at it today, like the SEC. Only two of their members didn't earn a hundred million dollars in revenue last year, and. There's only what seven ACC members that earned 100 million dollars in revenue, so half the conference. Um, for all intents and purposes, we're excluding Notre Dame because they're a half member, and I have no way how to calculate how much of that money flows into the conference and how much yeah. most of it, I'm sure, goes to Notre Dame. Uh, we'll but, never know how much money they're hiding. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, leprechauns in their pots of gold. Um, so. Uh, it, so let's talk about a little bit about the conference, what, what this might mean, you know, for the ACC. I think it's clear, but I'll let y'all elaborate on it. ACC and Pac-12 are in the weakest positions. SEC is getting stronger. Big Ten's in a strong position, largely because of their media deal. They have $440 million a year that they make with as much as $56 million a year going to each member school, largely driven off of their media rights with Fox. SEC is coming in hard behind them after that, but ACC and Pac-12 are, are get like half that to each of their member schools. So, you know, let's talk about where we're at and maybe kind of look to the future a little bit too. You mean you mean Raycom wasn't a big deal? 
thought that was like hey, awesome. Hey, now. I thought that was awesome Ray, for us. Raycom was part of my childhood. The Battle of the Blues. Dude, their 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 coverage and they're just their. You couldn't even you could barely watch a game with Raycom. At least oh, Raycom oh, got oh. the logo right. Their, their cameras, their cameras sucked. Yeah. At least Ray, like Raycom got the names of the players right and the, the logos the, of the teams right, and they knew the history of the league. Even if you we did have to, about ACC even if we did uh, have to listen to Billy Packer, I feel like I was having, I feel like I was watching a f- high school football team on their cameras. Like, come on, position the cameras better than that. Hey, don't just, forget you joined our conference. Hey, you're right. <laughs> you, you are exactly right, and we made y'all better for a while. For a while. Well, I'm, checking, a short window. I'm checking till, the revenue till, windows till. here that Dustin has prepared for us and uh, your basketball look, team. Look, known your as, tie, look your bow ties. Your basketball team here known as Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University. Dustin went real, real, uh, real fancy with all these names. I'm pretty he sure you to, just pulled them. You got to when you're playing basketball. It's not that high. I started to do the uh, O'Reilly Auto Parts commercial there for a second. But. I thought that's where you were going, and I almost finished it, but I wasn't quite sure. So, <laughs> we also have LSU, also known as Louisiana State University in Agriculture and Mechanical. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't finish. Excel cuts me off, and they say that's enough angle. Nope. No one can uh, see these angles, so they probably don't understand the joke that you're trying to make. It's not a joke. It's a very serious institution, LSU. They're known for a lot of things like agricultural and mechanical stuff. Okay. Anyway, back back to where you were going to go with this, Dustin. Sorry. Sorry. Logan, do you want to take it? Yeah. So with the ACC, I really think it's kind of a simple path forward. There's a couple things that's going to happen with them, right? So the grant of rights goes through 2035. That's either going to be the saving grace for the conference or it's going to be the death nail. And it depends on how you look at it. And we'll, only time will tell. The reason it could be the saving grace is because who owns those grant, grant of rights in the ACC network? It's ESPN. ESPN, in my view, is kind of the driving factor behind the SEC poaching the two biggest Big 12 schools. So why wouldn't they want to maintain their second biggest property while eliminating the Big 12 out of contention with their Fox deal, right? So that could be good. But the problem is, the like I said, the grant of rights goes until 2035. So the SECs goes into, I think, 2025, 10-year difference. The SEC with these two additions are going to be able to negotiate a monster contract, and they're already well ahead of us when it comes to revenue. The ACC is kind of stuck where they're at for a while. And the, let's not pretend like that if nothing really significant changes, whether the Miamis, the Virginia Techs, and the Florida States get back to what they traditionally could be and have been, that we're going to be in a position of bargaining power because we're not. Like the the ESPN will want to keep the ACC, obviously, if it's still around, but it's not going to be like we're going to be sitting there if it's Clemson and everybody else. The the whole crux of the thing with the ACC is it's all predicated on whether Notre Dame join, joins full time. If they don't, the ACC is done long term. It is like you're not going to this. We The biggest mistake the ACC ever made when they admitted Florida State was a good thing. But they turned down Penn State in the early 90s. Big mistake. Penn State fit in geographically, wanted to join the ACC. We said no. So 
Adding West Virginia makes sense geographically when it comes to old school rivals because we have a lot of Big East teams now, right? But they don't add a whole lot when it comes to elevating the conference nationally. They don't. They bring hardly nothing when it comes to revenue. Um, or academics. Or or acad- But see, <laughs> that's my next point. I'm glad you brought that up, Morgan, because the ACC itself, um, they like to have this faux intellectualism about it, where they act like academics matter. And there's been some reports that the that UNC, UVA, Wake Forest, and Duke have all said that they would not go to the SEC because the academics are too poor. And Paul Feinbaum, Bullshit. <laughs> well, Paul Feinbaum was just talking about this today. He was talking about how <clears throat> he had a um, reporter from South Carolina who who covers the the Gamecocks, and he that guy obviously is in like he's in SEC territory, but he also is from very familiar with the ACC. And they were talking about what is the ACC's next path forward. And the guy said, look, I'm going to be honest with you, is that they're going to try to expand, but who are they going to get? He goes, the realistic people are Cincinnati, maybe a UCF, but neither of them really bring any major value. Um, he said what they really need to happen is they need Virginia Tech, Miami, and Florida State to elevate their game back to what they once were. Paul Feinbaum was like, the ACC is Clemson and everybody else. He goes, I know North Carolina is pounding their chest right now. He goes, but let's be real. That's what he said. He was like, he said, and then if you're West Virginia and the ACC extends an invitation a decade ago, they wanted to join when the big East faltered, they want to join the ACC. But to find bombs point, he said the folks in Chapel Hill, the folks in Charlottesville, the folks in Winston-Salem and the folks in Durham said no, because they said it wasn't good enough academic institution. So West Virginia would come because the big 12 is going away, but are we going to, as Feinbaum said, are the Bowtie schools going to allow someone like West Virginia to join? That's the question. How much does West Virginia bolster it? I think it's a good secondary move, but it's all predicated on Notre Dame. If Notre Dame doesn't join, I don't think that the conference has any long-term viability because Florida State, I think, would easily leave if they had an invitation. Clemson, maybe. Um, but outside of that... I, I am a little bit more nervous, I think, maybe than you guys are about the future of the ACC. And Morgan, I will say good news for you guys is that reporter was saying that he has sources in the SEC office that said one of their top targets would be Virginia Tech. So they didn't mention North Carolina, NC State, and they did, sure as hell didn't mention Duke because Duke is in a bad spot because it's post-Coach K era. Basketball is not king. John Swafford ain't protecting the basketball schools like he used to. So it's it's a football driven thing now, and the the Miamis, Virginia Techs, Florida States, and Clemson's are going to be the the cream of the crop, not not the rest of us. Well, I, I will say this: it would be nice if if all those guys just stay in the ACC and they elevate their game again, football wise at least, um, and just keep the ACC get get them back to you know having multiple teams worth a damn football wise. Yeah, ultimately, um, I don't. Yeah. Ultimately, someone like Clemson. I saw this. I, I kind of saw this like last year. Ultimately, if you want to keep Clemson, Clemson needs a foe. They don't have a foe right now, and they might in some time. I think Florida State will get good again. I think Georgia Tech is getting better, but they're yeah. on a long term plan. <laughs> Logan disagrees with me on that, but they're they're getting a lot better. I'm not buying. Miami, Col- Collins so is, is selling. Well, we'll see what happens. And I'm going to replay the tape. Uh, Miami, you know, we'll see what happens. Miami claims, always claims to be back. But, like, you've got, you know, and Virginia Tech, like, I don't know what happened there. But I wish y'all were better um, so that we we wouldn't be having this discussion. But it, 
in the short term, no one's going to be able to challenge Clemson is the bottom line because everybody fell so far from where they were. Um, the only real fix is exactly what Logan said. ACC's got to figure out how to get Notre Dame in the conference. And with that comes, you know, the complications of, like, they've got the NBC. They're, all their money's with NBC. They get paid, I think I read today, like $10 million every time they play on television. Yep. So you got to figure out how to make that right for them, but make it right for the conference too. And Clemson needs Notre Dame. And, and honestly, Notre Dame needs us. Um, well, that they, I have to stop you there. They do. As long as we run in a four team college football playoff, if they expand to 12, they don't need the ACC because they will yes, be in the hunt. Yes, they do. Because you don't want, you don't want to always be the team who has to play more games. You want to win the conference to have the buys so that you don't have to start from the, the behind. And if Notre Dame really believes they're a top tier football program, they would want to compete for a conference title so that they could get those buys. I, I don't buy that at all, that their that expanded playoff is good for them. I mean, it is in the sense that they'll get in almost every year, but it isn't in the sense of they're going to have to play their way through everybody and that you're better off playing less games when you play the college football playoff. Do you think, do you think Texas joining the SEC is kind of like Notre Dame? Like, like, I don't think that Notre Dame going to the SEC long-term makes sense unless there's a much larger group of teams and they can play long-term, if that makes sense. Like, they, they can really compete to the very end. Um, I don't understand why Texas is doing this now. Like, you're going to get beat by Oklahoma and Georgia and Alabama and potentially LSU. Okay. And, and, and Florida. I think it's not about winning. I think it's about the money. I think it's yeah. all driven by the money because there's like to your point, Texas is a minor league version of Notre Dame right now. Texas yeah. isn't back horns down, right? Like Texas is a team that thinks more highly of themselves than they actually are. And Oklahoma has right. been running that conference in football for a while. So Texas going to the SEC strictly about money. It's about them surviving because they, they, I think they feel like they have their finger on the, pul the pulse of where this is going. I don't think it's about yeah. national championships. They could probably get more recruits going to the SEC, to be honest. Too seems like yeah. as soon as as soon as Mac Brown left Texas, I'm 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 really sorry, everybody. I'm I'm just I'm you know he just that was their best period they've ever had. Like they oh, the, the so arrogance that the arrogance that fan base has for the little that their history actually has is astounding. Yeah, so you're Texas. saying that Texas Texas utilized Mac Brown better than some other school? Did you mean? That's, no. that's why he left in 98. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear about Texas. I'm, I'm very sorry to hear about the recruiting challenge all of a sudden. Um, whatever. We'll leave it at that. You're not sorry. You're in North Carolina. You know how, how bad it can be of recruiting. Uh, all right. Two things is we will try to wind this up. One, next yeah. It, any outside the box potential members y'all want to bring up for the ACC, and then two, we yes. can talk about our our. Is, uh, I got a, I got a quick that. question. I got a quick question. Yeah. Um, so you know the, the rumor that they're also going to go after um, Ohio State and Michigan. Um, yeah. You know, so I mean, it's, it's not really a question. I, just, I feel bad for certain teams that that went and joined the Big Ten because it was a big conference, <laughs> and if certain teams leave that certain Big Ten conference. Doesn't it make the Big Ten kind of 
like less appealing for the certain teams that left other conferences to go there. You're going <laughs> really okay, out of your way to talk about Maryland. Maryland. <laughs> we said the same thing. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, oh, not not so not such a great conference anymore. Morgan, what would you what would you personally want to be paid to take Rutgers back into our conference? Actually, not back for the first time in our conference. There's no amount of money. None. We've got <laughs> enough small private schools. We don't need another. That's just let ECU join too while we're at it. <laughs> so you, Dustin, you raise an interesting question. Here's something that I heard today that I felt was interesting. I felt I'll be the guy that brings it up and I'll keep it till the end. CBS Sports Network has a contract with and I have no clue what the revenue is on this. It's very small. I can guarantee you of that. Sure. On the military schools. And by the military schools, I mean Navy and Army, not Air Force, because my comments about the Air Force will be kept to myself. But they're also <laughs> not on the Atlantic coast. Um, I wonder what you asked, what would be some kind of outside the layer schools? I wonder if that would have any help. And I wonder then, because they're in the same conference with ECU, um, Central Florida, or what is it, UCF? Apparently, they were the national champions eight years ago, even though they had never played anybody. Um, I uh, Typical of Tampa Bay to claim something that nobody ever actually competed for, just pointing that out. But um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious what those kind of like conferences might do if we were able to like kind of pull some kind of, I don't know, I'm being crappy here, but like shittier teams in our conference, would that, would that help raise the revenue or the only way after, should we just go after Oregon and just expect them to represent us now as the ACC or the act 12, as I want to call it <laughs> conference. The I like only, the act 12 idea. The only way I see Navy ever being an ACC member is if all right careful 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 i'm just saying be honest here is if that's a condition of notre dame joining full-time otherwise like nothing against the the naval academy but they don't bring anything in the long term i agree the acc right i agree but but if notre dame says that's a like all the rumors are the reason we even had boston college join was because of miami right i know so so we're stuck with boston college do we want a another small private school that weighs the conference down in the grand scheme of things. That that's the question we have to answer. And if my, if Notre Dame pulls a Miami and falters and is no longer a national power, then we're stuck in the same position we're already in. Which is possible. (laughs) So Notre Dame plays Navy and army. And I'm sorry if I didn't, I, I thought that was an interesting tie-in. Like, wow, I wonder if we signed Navy and Army if we also got Notre Dame. But, like, does it does it matter, like, long-term? Like, I still like the Act 12 idea much better. Yeah, I well, I, I would say, like, you know, when you're picking schools, you know, like our, our buddy Ryan all the time talks about media markets. And I think there's a little bit to that. The Big Ten definitely built their their media empire on that. But uh, I think the better model is what the SEC has done, which is fan bases. Like the sure. the SEC has a built-in advantage. They're in the South. 
all these schools don't have pro teams and everybody cheers for their team and in the Northeast or in the Midwest or out West, you know, like you don't have the same built-in advantage. You have divided loyalties, people like the NFL. I, I, I watch the NFL cause I'm a Redskins fan, but I don't love the NFL. I think it's terrible compared to college football, but a lot of people love it. That's what they do all Sunday. They watch the NFL. And so you know, if you're going outside the box, you got to find at least these passionate built-in fan bases that will tune in because that's where the money's coming from. And to your point on that, this is where the expansion talk now is different than it was the last go-round, right? The last go-round, cable subscriptions were a big thing. Cable was still king when it comes to television. It's not anymore. People are cutting the cord. Streaming is a big-time thing. So when it comes to the, the, uh, the passionate fan bases, it's not so much... The whole reason Rutgers is in the Big Ten is because it's it's in what New Jersey and it's proximity to New York City. New York that, City. I mean, that's the only reason it's there. Who cares? It, it's just, yeah, but it it makes the point. It's just that's the reason. <laughs> Nowadays, if it had been twenty twenty one when they were looking at this expansion, Rutgers wouldn't be accepted because cable isn't king anymore. You have to fi- have the passionate fan base that also mixes with re- uh, revenue generating that put eyeballs on the set, even if they're traveling somewhere or wherever they at with the advent of streaming. So this is where my, my, I, I brought this up in the group message and it got shot down, but who I, even though West Virginia makes more sense when it comes to robberies and geography, the better secondary choice from a realistic standpoint, in my view is Oklahoma state. Oklahoma state uh, would be in the upper tier of the conference when it comes to revenue, but they also have been relatively competitive in football and basketball for whatever basketball is worth over the last few years. And that expands the map a little bit more than West Virginia does when it comes to the long-term viability of the ACC. But that doesn't, if we got OK state and West Virginia doesn't really do anything. You need one of the two to go along with Notre Dame. Still the linchpin is Notre Dame, but Oklahoma state is the one who I, I actually think would be a better long-term play than West Virginia. I love the mullet. Oh yeah. I'm a man. I'm 40. You can can still invite some of the smaller, crappier teams. I mean, you got to give someone like Syracuse to play with in the basement. (laughs) I do have enough of that. We don't need more terrible football teams. (laughs) I do think that's what's going to hamper the ACC more than the other, though, is because we are a private school league. We have like five or six teams that are private school, and outside of Miami, Syracuse is a non-starter in athletics. Like they're not even what they, they need, were in they the early 2000s, but oh, when basketball. But you have BC, you have Wake Forest, you have uh, Duke. If Duke falls a little bit in basketball, right? Duke doesn't bring anything to the table in football. If they can't maintain some semblance of excellence in basketball, they they are in danger of going the way of uh, of Wake Forest. That's what I do worry about for that program because the football team doesn't bring a whole lot. Yeah, and this is a good tie-in to let's talk about our schools because that's that's ultimately what we care about. Like we're loyal to the conference because our teams are in it, not really because of any other reason. And could, and for three of us, we grew up watching ACC sports. <clears throat> so one of us didn't. Um, <laughs> I, so my, my team jumped around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. Uh, I don't disagree with Logan saying, I think, so one thing, one takeaway on the revenue stuff, I was shocked that Duke's revenue was fifth in the conference overall. Um, 
and I knew it wasn't going to be terrible. They weren't going to be at the bottom, but I, I didn't realize they were going to be that high. Um, I really didn't think the football program earned almost $40 million a year. I was, I cannot believe that because um, nobody goes to the game. So they must be getting donor money and Lord knows what else. Um, but what I'm thinking, is, I agree with you completely. Shire has to continue to be 75 to 80% as good as Coach K and keep them in the national conversation. Duke's brand is basketball, their basketball school. That's what the country knows them as. Um, the football program also needs to make a change and just be better. They're never going to be good. They're never going to win. As long as, you know, they're in a good conference, they're never going to win a conference title. They're never going to win a national championship, but they can, you know, go 500 and, and, and be good enough to not be terrible and lead the nation in turnovers. So um, they need to fix that. And they, and Shire needs to work out is basically, and, and if that works out, they're an attractive school for any conference. Um, they're obviously the academics are good to go along with all of that, but if Shire doesn't work out in football and they give Cutcliffe a lifetime contract to run around and lead the nation turnovers, and take snakes out of the players. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he coached Peyton Manning once like 25 years ago and Eli and Eli. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> is this when I get it get to bring up about Eli about how bad Ole Miss was in your uh, SEC charts? I'm sorry, maybe I'm the Ole Miss apologist on here, but like, shouldn't they have been doing a little better? Like, I know they're not great at football, but like, they're not bad. Like, come on, Lane Kiffin, like, get some more duffel bag stuff going on. <laughs> That's the long term plan. He just got there. I'm just saying, like, they're. They're very low on the list. Like, I mean, I know everybody here loves uh, Vanderbilt, right? We all we all super care about Vanderbilt sports. So, uh, Ole Miss, uh, second to last on the list behind Vanderbilt in the SEC. So, uh, sorry if you came well, to this podcast to hear all about how Alabama is so wonderful. I'm choosing to uh, support the uh, the young guppies that are swimming uh, upstream. Hotty toddy. <laughs> well. In that vein, do you want to talk about the boys over in Chapel Hill and the future? I don't, I don't have a, I don't think you guys are, I've been quiet because I don't think you guys are going to like my opinion on this. I think we'll be oh, just go fine. For it. I think we'll be just fine. I'm not super worried about it. I would really like to stay in the AC. And uh, I would, I would, if we go to the SEC, fine. We get to play South Carolina, and we'll. I, I don't think I you guess got develop... an invitation, but what? I don't think the invitation was sent, but I'm, I'm eventually, it was a joke. Eventually, was a joke. no, I know. Eventually, I mean, like, I don't know. I guess I'm not. I'm not super worried about it because of the all-around talent. At the <clears throat> same time, I get that these are. That's in a moment. Um, I'm. I'm interested by total sports revenue, to be quite honest. Florida State being number one surprised me. Louisville being number one surprised me. And I know people can't see this. Uh, but, like, I thought we might be a little bit higher. But, you know, that's okay. We're just, we're just responsible people who are, are trying to take care of our families and just survive a pandemic. And we're just, we're just all out there driving our electric vehicles. I assume that's what most people do or we're state. We're like, you know, fans of the state, like Walmart fans 
and we're just out there just really trying to fill our trucks full of gas. All right. And daggum it, if we're not if if we're not supporting this the team this year. Buster? Yep, that's what it seems it's like. Exactly. It's exactly what it is. All right, let's move not, on. Logan, what do you want to say about state? <laughs> yeah. If so, we're not supporting this team this year. So one thing I find interesting is um it's pretty obvious where you know where the top half of the conference is going to go. It's pretty obvious where you know the bottom half of the conference is going to go. And then with Duke, it just depends on what basketball does. We're in a weird spot more than anyone else in the conference. Because I agree 100%. And I told you this already. <laughs> because like we're a, a school that has a, like literally, if you go back in the last like six years, um, I saw this on ESPN. We talked about this. Like we have the second most ACC wins in, in the conference, right? In football. We're we have a passionate fan base. We consistently sell out our stadium, even when our team is terrible. Like we we don't do bad in revenue. We're not in the top half, but like we don't do bad in revenue. And the thing that we have going for us to say a Duke and a Wake Forest doesn't is our fan base is primarily in that North Carolina market. So if you're talking about media markets, we us in it's us in North Carolina. Like we're the ones that have the North Carolina fans. So we're in a weird spot though because. If you look at it from a cultural standpoint, um, we fit in more with the SEC than we do with the Big Ten. So if things were to really go south, and based on what you can't understate uh, or overstate, I guess I should say, what some of the powers that be within the Bowtie community at Chapel Hill, their feelings about the SEC. You, I mean, that, that, there it will be that faction there. And the thing that I think people need to remember is, I think that Duke, Carolina have a much better shot at going to the Big Ten and they do the SEC. Another another wrinkle uh, in that. Another, I completely disagree with this. Well, another a wrinkle <laughs> with that is the Big Ten's not going anywhere. The Big Ten will be at worst the second like power conference, but yep. to be a Big Ten member currently unless they change the rules, you have to be um an AAU member Association of American Universities. It's a good old boys club about uh old research universities. The fact that Virginia Tech and NC State are are not members of that when arguably you could say that Tech and State do more uh, research that more positive uh, like quality research within the grad schools and everything than UNC and Duke these days. I'm not talking about historically back a long, long time ago. The fact that we're not in the AAU is it's, it's been said that it's kind of a political good old boys club, but you, that is a requirement to be in the big 10 UNC and Duke are both AAU members. I think there are only three in the ACC. I think Georgia tech is the other. UNC culturally and with their their the the old saying is you know they they want to be the Ivy League Monday through Friday and the and the SEC on Saturday like they they fit in better with the Big Ten crowd than they do with the SEC crowd. So the question is where would State go if they remove the AAU rule? I do think that State offers enough to get into one of the other. But if UNC were to go to the SEC and they don't remove the AAU rule. We could be left out and be playing with ECU and the AAC. I mean, it's just we're in a weird spot more than anyone in the ACC, and it's the future is uncertain. I would say for the Wolfpack, if the ACC yeah. dissolves, I, I I agree with that. I actually, and I think that um, I actually think that if it all fell apart and Duke's back again, Duke's basketball stays good. Duke Carolina could be a package deal to the Big Ten, and I think oh, Big yeah. Ten yeah. would jump on that. I think so. I think that would be a no brainer. I, I agree with that. So, and then they could re, and then they'd sell it as we're renewing our, you know, bitterness with Maryland. They they could sell it all kinds of different ways. So, yep. 
And I, I um, really do think that like state and tech fit more in with SEC crowd than they do with Big Ten crowd. A hundred percent. I think if the ACC were to dissolve tomorrow, it'd be the likelihood is we'd be Big Ten and y'all would be SEC as a result. Agreed. Um, that means that me and Morgan win, right, Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. Morgan, do you want to add so, anything to that about tech and Texas? Yeah, I mean tech. I'm, I, I kind of have the same answer that, that Angle did as, and I'm not worried really as Tech's future because they are, even though their football is down right now, it's not like Syracuse down or Wake Forest town, but it's, um, they know that they can get good again. So they'd be a, they'd be any uh, conference would be happy to take them with the ACC fell apart. I mean, that's, I'm, not being biased yet. I think it's not honest truth. I think it's fair. Um, I, I, academically, they bring a whole lot to the table on that side. But football, I mean, that's ultimately because basketball, uh, Coach Young has got them, I think, a little bit on on the rise rather than the decline. And uh, baseball, they seem to have been, last couple of years, have been putting up uh, a good baseball team, but even though they fell apart towards the end of this season. Football is where they need to figure out what they're going to do with Fuentes because I think he either needs to pretty much win the Coastal this year, which is not happening, or he's gone, in which case it's going to be a hot – it's going to be a, a – um, I'm trying to think of the right word to say. They're going to have quite a few people probably calling and asking about the uh, open seat there probably. I would say Pike, one of Clemson's assistants will probably try and jump on it as well. Yeah, you'd be, that'd, be, that'd be a good hire. Yeah, <laughs> if you get any one of those. Honestly, I'd take any anybody right now. <laughs> but it's just, they got to get better at football. They got to get that back. Like you guys were saying earlier, if, if Texas football gets back to where they used to be, that's, first of all, that'd be great for the ACC again to have more than one or two teams that are good, but it just, they're all around future. In case ACC does fall apart, that's going to make them look much better if they're kind of winning football games again. And yep. One quick aside, based on Morgan brought up baseball, we would fit in better with SEC baseball, but we will win more in Big Ten baseball. <laughs> also accurate. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any last words on this? Because we've, we did get into it, and we'll share more on on the interwebs. I hope eventually North Carolina goes to the SEC. <laughs> I, I would bet against it. I, I would bet money against it. I think it's much not even not even the package Duke aside. I think it's much more likely Big Ten. I'll, I'll make that bet, and then in ten years we can decide who has to pay up. Angle doesn't want to go to the Big Ten. Yeah. <laughs> he'd, he'd have to like go back on every comment he's ever made <laughs> on Miserable and Reckless. Be like, you know what? <laughs> the Big Ten ain't so bad. <laughs> Rutgers, they're, they're a solid school. <laughs> so to bring this back to an earlier segment, it would be just like wrestling. You just have to turn you you turn heel and you own it, and then that's it. Exactly. That's there's a reason. There's a reason why we're called Tar Heels. Yeah, there you go. We really <laughs> don't. We're really stubborn about turning heel. Oh, what's what's going to happen is Angle's going to be like Marshall Lynch. I'm, I'm just paid to be here. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be me on Miserable and Reckless, the Southern podcast that talks about the big 18. Uh, I'm just I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> oh, we have a great we have a game with Rutgers this weekend. Great. Oh, but one last point on that, Ryan. What sport do you like to talk about other than NASCAR that the rest of us don't really care about that Duke and Carolina are both good in? Golf? No. Lacrosse. 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 What is one of the other conferences that has the Big Ten? We fit in in the Big Ten, man. He just wants to play play (laughs) South Carolina once a year. Yep. That's it. That's all All I care about. Schedule them. (laughs) That's all I care about. Just make me the commissioner. Make me the commissioner of the ACC. We'd have stitch belts for everybody. We'd send them out to everybody in the mail. <laughs> we, we just had, we just got rid of John Swafford. So we're no, I say no to that. <laughs> I think everybody that's still listening to this podcast is now sufficiently pissed off at where we've gone with this podcast. <laughs> hey, if they uh, want the most real and honest college football, um, Analysis, you come to miserable and reckless. Right. Here's one last question. If the ACC falls apart, where is Syracuse going to go? Northeastern Conference, basically. They might join part of Connecticut, Vermont. I hear they have a team called the Catamounts. That seems like fun. They might join the the old uh, the the old new Big East again. (laughs) Maybe. Have fun. Yeah. Maybe you guys can be called the big least. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On that note, for this episode of Miserable and Reckless, I'm Logan sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan, and we will see you next time. (laughs)